and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. Matthew 25 and 23. I'll, I'll start by saying this. When I was six years old, of course, I was born and raised in church. I don't know. I mean, probably the week after I was born, I was there already, I'm sure. Over there, matter of fact. When I was six years old, my babysitter and myself started talking about salvation. And she said to me, she said, do you know what it means to be saved? And I said, yes. I said, you uh, walk down the aisle at the end of a church service and talk to the preacher and he prays with you. She said, well, that's good to do that. She said, but that's not what it means to be saved. And she explained to me that I was a sinner and that I was in need of a savior. And she told me that Jesus, <laughs> oh my God, it's been all the, I can't get past it. I cannot get past it. It's like the first time every time. She explained to me that Jesus, the son of God, came and died for me and rose again. And that if I would simply pray and ask him for forgiveness in salvation, that he would give it. And then that I probably should let my pastor know. And so I immediately went into my bedroom. She had no idea. And I got down on the floor on my knees, and I asked the Lord to forgive me and to come in, and he did. And I've been telling everybody about him ever since. (laughs) It's all I care about. It's really all I care about. I begin to evangelize uh, my kindergarten and West Elementary School, (laughs) and... uh, It's all I care about is that everybody knows Jesus, that everybody knows about Jesus. Matthew 25 and 23, Jesus is giving a parable here about the use of the talents, which was an amount of money, but it's neat that it happens to be our word talent, our giftings and things that we would use. And the parable is about a Lord that entrusted his servants with these talents when he went out of town as to what they would do with them while he was gone before he got back. He ends up with this one. And this one had not hidden the talent like one of the others did, but he had used the talent He had taken it, and he had invested it, and he had seen it multiplied that when the master came back, it was many times more. And, of course, the picture is that Jesus came and that he gave us this glorious gospel, that he died for us, and he has entrusted us to do something with it while he's gone before he comes to get us. His Lord said unto him, Well done. Good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over a few, few things. I will make thee ruler over many. Enter thou in to the joy of the Lord. I would enjoy having a lot of money. I would enjoy having the finest of things. I would enjoy going wherever I want to go and doing whatever I want to do. I would enjoy that. But that would end. That would end when my time on this earth ends. And that's not very long in the light of eternity. So do you want to know what I want more than anything else? 
I want it to be. That point, <laughs> never going to get through this today. I want it to be that when I stand in front of the one that entered my life when I was six years old, that he would smile and that he would say, you did it right. You did what you were supposed to do. You got it done. Well done. Come on in. I want it more than anything. I just want to hear that. I just want to hear that. That I did with what he gave me what I was supposed to do with it. You hear about people that get saved or get saved to then just get by with doing whatever they want to do and calling themselves forgiven in the name of grace. I don't want that. I want to give everything I have to the one that gave everything that he had to me. I want to give my best to the one that gave his best for me. I want to give my life to the one that gave his life for me. I want to be a living sacrifice for the one that gave the ultimate sacrifice for me. I don't just want to go to heaven. I want to take everybody with me. I want to take everybody with me. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Well done. I want to do a good job. I want to do right with the time that he's given me. I want to do right with the body that he's given me. I want to use this for him. I don't want to destroy it before I'm supposed to leave. I want to glorify him. I don't want to do stuff with this that wouldn't magnify him. I've been bought with a price, and you've been bought with a price. And while our world is screaming, my body, my choice, the scripture still says, don't you know that your body is not your own and that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? My money is not my own. My kids aren't even my own. I had the craziest wake-up call a few years ago. When the Lord told me, that I don't own my kids. I forget what the deal was, something with Moriah. And I said, uh, I said, that's my daughter. I forget what the situation was. Anyway, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He says, she's your daughter, but she ain't your person. You've just been entrusted. She's her own person. She's my person. You've been entrusted to raise her, but she's her own person to make her own decisions. You don't own her. So I don't even, I don't even own my family. Come on. This church is not my church. This ministry is not my ministry. I want to hear him say, well done. Your stuff is not your stuff. Your marriage is not your marriage to do with it what you want to do with. Your car is not yours. Your job is not yours. He gave it to you. None of it's yours. Are you doing with it what he would have you to do with it? This is the question I want to ask you today. If your casket was right here, right now, if you were at the end of your life right now, let's fast forward, and you don't know when that is. 
I want to talk to you as if this is the end of your life. What did you do for Jesus? That's the question. What did you do for Jesus? Did you just go to church for him? There are people that know more Bible than I know, but not doing anything for Jesus. You can do a lot of things in your life. And a lot of people only even come to church when it's convenient or when they need something. What are you doing for Jesus? How is your life making a difference for eternity? What are you doing to fill heaven? Is heaven fuller because of you? Is somebody going to heaven that was on their way to hell because of you? What did you do for Jesus? I want to tell you something that's going to happen one day. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 3 and 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest. Everything you do is one day going to be tested. Everything you've done in this life is going to be tested. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. Every work is going to be tried by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Only that which is eternal will not be burnt up. Everything that doesn't matter will be burnt. Everything that was not eternal will not exist anymore. Do you want to live your whole life for things that will disappear at the end of your life? Or do you want to lay up treasure in heaven? Do you want to live for something bigger than you? Do you want to live for something of eternal weight and glory? Of never-ending purpose and importance? Do you want to live for the souls of men and the souls of women? Do you want to live for lost humanity that they'll not die the second death, that they'll not perish, but that their names will be written in the Lamb's book of life and they'll live forever and forever and forever? What are you living for? Matthew 28 and 18 and Jesus came and spoke unto them, his disciples, saying, I feel the evangelist today. He said, all power is given unto me. I, gotta tell, I just can't hardly close my eyes without seeing an endless sea of black faces. I just got to get to July, right? All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. Wait a minute. Therefore. Anytime you see the word therefore, ask what it's there for. He said, here's the reason that I'm sending you. Here's the reason you have to go ye. The reason is because I have all power in heaven and earth. There's nowhere that God sends you that he doesn't supply you with what you need to go there because he has all power in heaven and earth. You can't tell God why you won't go. You don't get to tell God, I can't go there. He says, really? I have all power in heaven and earth. God, I'm scared. He says, I'm not. I have all power in heaven and earth. God, I don't know the language. 
Doesn't matter. I have all power in heaven and earth. What if they reject me? They rejected me. I told you if they hated me, they'll hate you. And I'm sending you anyway. I'm sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. But I've got good news. I have all power in heaven and in earth. I send you because I've got all the power. I send you because I've got all the words. I send you because I've got the provision. I send you because I've got the protection. I send you because I'm in you. It's me going. But I'm using that body that you're in. Go ye therefore and teach all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost and teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. See, he didn't tell us to make converts. He told us to make disciples. First you get saved. Then you get baptized to testify that you got saved. But then you grow up. And here's where a lot of us stopped. We liked the part, forgive me. We liked the part, the family showed up to see us water baptized and we get the picture and the certificate. But this part, and to obey everything I commanded. Observe all that I've commanded you. We need to learn how to observe. We need to start looking a whole lot more like Jesus and a whole lot less like us. Well, it's covered by grace. If you say that, you're probably not under grace. Because the Bible said, when you're under grace, sin has no more dominion over you. People that think that, well, it's under grace. They don't understand what grace is. Where sin abounded, grace does much more abound. Grace comes and swallows it up. Grace comes and swallows sin up and destroys it. It tucks tail and runs. It can't stand up against grace. Grace is not cute. Grace is an all-consuming fire. Grace is all-powerful. Grace is the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the refiner's fire. Mercy forgives you, but grace empowers you. Mercy stops the punishment. Jesus swings his leg between you and the wrath of the Father. He did it on the cross, and mercy stops the punishment that was coming. But grace steps in and fills you up to live for him like you've never lived before. That's what grace does. All power. Oh, we love the power of the Holy Ghost. We can buck and shout and we can fall in the floor sometimes and jerk and twitch and speak in tongues. What does any of that mean? And what good does it do to speak in another language if you're not speaking in it to tell somebody about Jesus? Oh, it was great. We all got together in a room with people that believe what we believe, and we all spoke in tongues together. Well, pin a rose on your nose. I'll be out here getting somebody saved. The purpose of the power. What's the purpose of your shout? What's the purpose of your lifting your hands? What's the purpose of your jerk and your jump and your dance and your run? What's the purpose of the power? The power of the Holy Ghost is supposed to raise you up to live an upright life and to get somebody saved. It's the purpose. How many people have you told about Jesus? Love, 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 love. Oh, pastor, I love people. How much do you love them? 
Have you loved them enough to tell them they're going to be totally destroyed, but Jesus came to do something about it? That's love. Love tells the truth. Love tells somebody that's stuck on the tracks that there's a train coming. Love tells people you're inside of a burning building and I've got to get you out. Even if I've got to wake you up, even if you're offended and you don't believe it, I know what's coming down the pipe. I've seen the other side and I know what Jesus Jesus has done for me, and I love you enough to come and get you out. Jude said, snatching some right from the fire. How many have you told about Jesus? Statistically, on average, every Christian tells Point six people about Jesus in their lifetime. On average, Christians tell less than one other human being about Jesus in their lifetime. Peter was crucified upside down because he wouldn't quit telling people about Jesus. Andrew was filleted alive because he wouldn't quit telling people about Jesus. They boiled John in oil, which didn't hurt him, because he wouldn't quit telling people about Jesus. And today, we tell less than one other person about Jesus in our life. Where is the body of Christ? Where is the church? First Corinthians three in verse four. For while one saith, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos. It's the beginning of denominations here. Are you not carnal? Who is Paul? This is Paul talking, by the way. Who is Apollos? Just ministers by whom you believed, as the Lord gave to every man. I've only planted. Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God gives the increase. Now, he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man will receive his own reward according to his labor, for we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. Every Christian is supposed to be laboring Together with God Himself. If we are not cooperating and working with God in our lives to get this thing done, then we have failed. It is the whole purpose of your life, it is the whole purpose. to place the jewel of a soul in the crown of Father God. I said on the way here, knowing that I had nothing fancy, I said, Holy Spirit, if you don't say something, nobody will hear anything. If you don't speak, 
This will change nothing. I felt like he kind of asked me back if I really thought that his word needed any of my help. Does your life preach the gospel? Do your relationships preach the gospel? Do they show the love of God and the truth of God? And do they show Jesus? Can somebody look at your life and say, Oh, that's what Jesus looks like. Can somebody look at your family, your marriage, your business, your ministry, your whatever. Do, do the people watching you get a contact high of the Holy Spirit from being around you? Does Jesus just ooze out of you? Are people uncomfortable around you? There's a good kind of comfortable around you, and there's a good kind of uncomfortable around you. Does your behavior preach the gospel? Forget how you treat people in public. What about the way you treat people in your house? Does your behavior preach the gospel? Does your attitude preach the gospel? Do the things that you do with your body preach the gospel? Do your decisions preach the gospel? Man, the Holy Spirit is talking to some folks. <laughs> I'm one. Is your money preaching the gospel? Do you, do you do with your money what he wants you to do with your money? In your living? Do you regard him? Do you acknowledge him? Do you ask him about how to spend the money that he gave you? Does your giving into the kingdom preach the gospel? Does the way you dress preach the gospel? I'm not talking about style, but I am talking about modesty. Come on. And finally, does your voice preach the gospel? Are you saying Jesus? Are you telling them? Do your words preach the gospel? 1 Peter 3 and 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart. That means to specifically set this thing apart in your mind. And be ready Oh, the Holy Spirit just said that's somebody's verse. God gave somebody that verse. That's your verse. And he's reminding you of it right now because you have an obligation to it. He gave you that verse, and you know that he did. And now he's reminding you, I gave you that. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks a reason of the hope that's in you. And you do it with meekness and fear. Everything we preach with the gospel, we preach it boldly, we preach it soberly, we preach it in all seriousness, but we preach it meekly. We preach it with love. We preach it with brokenness. We preach it with kindness. We preach it with tears in our eyes. We preach it with a burden for the people we're sharing it with, not so they can be like us. 
Not so they can be like us. But because they need Jesus just like we needed Jesus. You know, people get stirred by things. People come to a service like this and they get stirred. But then many times it never drives to action. There are people here right now, there are people here right now that don't care about what I'm even talking about. It doesn't even matter. There are people that are listening and this won't even phase them. They just sat in another church service. And then there are people here that are moved emotionally by what I'm saying. And maybe even based partly on the presentation you know, I get real loud and I get real quiet and I get real big and I use my hands. And, and sometimes people feel what you're feeling. They just feel what you're feeling. And they're moved emotionally. It doesn't do anything. But maybe, maybe there might be one or two That you came in here hungry. And that you are in love with Jesus. And your heart beats for what his heart beats for. And this message is ringing out inside of you like an atomic bomb. And you know that I have actually robbed you with this message. And some that are feeling that way may have even wished they hadn't heard this message. Because with knowledge comes responsibility. And you have just had your comfort taken from you. And you know that you have no other option but to make changes based on what I'm telling you today and that your life is not your own and that when you walk out of these doors, you're going to have to do some things differently in your house and in your money and with your time and with your life and you may have to leave and do some things that you're scared to do. But it doesn't matter. Because all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. People get stirred, but it never drives to action. What good is it to shout? What good is it, is it to be moved if you don't do something when you leave here? What changes are you making in your life to adjust to the cause of Christ? James 4 and 13. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time. And then vanish away. You're not going to be here long. You're not going to be here long. You don't have much time. I'm 41 and quickly realizing what they all meant. When they told me, don't blink. You don't have much time. Some of us have far less time than others, but the youngest person here does not have much time. Because what is 70 to 100 years in the light of eternity? But one grain of sand to all of the beaches and all of the world.
your life is but a vapor. We have received his free gift of forgiveness. What are we doing with it? He has given us his life. His life. He didn't just give us his death. No, that only took six hours when he was 33 years old. He gave us his whole life. He didn't live the life that many people want to live with comforts and building a family. No, from the time Jesus got here on the earth, he handed over everything that humanity pursues. He gave his whole life for you, gave it up before giving his death. He has given us his life. Are we giving him ours? Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. How many of us are sacrificing for the cause of Christ? We only do what's the very, very most convenient. We reject anything that is the slightest inconvenience. It must be absolutely easy and require nothing of me, and then I'll give it to the Lord. Am I telling the truth? But this says to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy. Holy means uncommon. It means completely opposite of the way the world does it. Acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This is just what's reasonable. It is only reasonable to lay down your life for Jesus. Well, you know, church, is there anybody here and you're sad and you have an empty void and you're hurting and you have problems? Come to Jesus the Savior. He'll fill the God-shaped vacuum in your life and you'll be whole and you'll be happy and you'll have peace. Come and receive him now. He's the Savior of your problem. Salvation is not the rescue of you from your problem. Salvation is the sparing of your life and your forgiveness because we are the criminal. Salvation is not, Jesus, I'm very sad. I, I finally quit fighting on my own. Come and fill me so you can do it. And now you'll make my dreams come true. I heard somebody say one time, they said, God will make your dreams come true. God doesn't care about your dreams. God already has a purpose. He already has a vision. He already has something that he, he wants to do. It, he didn't come to give you your dreams. He said, kill your dream and live for me. Yeah. Now, I can tell you, if you die for him, you'll live. I can tell you there will never be fulfillment like the fulfillment you... People going after their dreams, and then they get to it, and their dream doesn't do what the dream promised. God's got the real stuff. It comes with a lot. 
It comes with a lot. Salvation is free. Living for him will cost you everything. But there will be no joy and no peace in anything else like dying to Jesus. I told you recently I would probably share this again in its uh, entirety because I just touched on it a little bit. In 2003, I dreamt one night I was sitting in my Sunday school room that I grew up in over there. And by the way, in 2003, I had rented the Centene Center. We were getting ready to put on a big youth rally. This is not part of the dream. This is real. And we put posters everywhere. So that's what was going on. So I had this dream. And in the dream, I'm sitting at our little short Sunday school. I'm full grown, but I'm sitting at the little Sunday school table, which I promise you is still over there. If you go over there right now, they probably still got the same Play-Doh. And I'm sitting there, and Greg Fulton, who has gone on to be with the Lord, but he helped me to start the River Worship Center. Greg Fulton walked into that Sunday school room, and he laid one of our posters on the table in front of me. I looked at it. He was holding another one, and he looked kind of funny. And he laid it down. And it looked just like our event poster. And he let me know that people had been putting one of these posters next to our event posters everywhere they were. And so I'm looking at it because it looks like ours. And it says stuff like uh, DJ Edwards uh, uh, acts like he's preaching the gospel, but he's really a fake and... He smokes, and he this, and he that. It was just a bunch, of, a bunch of stuff. So they took, there would be my poster, and then the one that looked like it, telling people that I was a liar and a fake. And I just got sick, and I'm looking at Greg. And I don't understand. I don't understand why a person would do that. I didn't get it. And it hurt. And the Lord came to me. He spoke. And he said, this is the price for, and he just literally said, this is the price for big ministry. Do you want it? I'm glad I didn't understand the question then because I probably would have said no. But I said yes. And I began to weep inconsolably, uncontrollably. I began to weep and I melted into a ball on the floor in the corner of that Sunday school room. And I was feeling the weight of surrender. I was feeling the weight of saying yes to lies and abuse and attack and adversity. That's what I was saying yes to. The Lord does not do anything in your life without your permission. You have free will. And I said yes This is what I signed up for. So now when stuff happens, I'm like, yep, that's what I signed up for. He asked. He asked first. So I'm balled up and just dying a thousand deaths. And suddenly I was translated. And I'm standing 
in the middle of a vineyard, a great vineyard. But there were not rows. There was no, no rows to it. The growth was up this high on me. It's pressing against my front and my sides and my back. And it was thick and full. And it went for miles in every direction. Miles and miles and miles. And the fruit, the grapes, had gotten to such a, a growth, they were heavy. They were ready to be plucked, ready to be picked, harvested. They were heavy so much that I could not see a single one of them. Only the greenery was light enough to stay up and cover the top. Do you understand what I mean? I'm standing there, and I became aware that this vineyard that I'm standing in, I became aware that no one had ever been there. The sky was a crystal white. There was no variance. There was not a cloud. It was a constant color everywhere, every direction. And I was by myself. I was completely by myself, save the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I woke up. And the Lord spoke to me and said that every grape in that picture was the fruit of my labor. And every soul that I am called to win. God, do whatever you have to do in me. And kill whatever you have to kill. That I do not leave this earth. Until I pluck every one of them grapes. Because when I stand before him, I want him to say, you did it. <laughs> That's all I got to hear. He can say it just like that, and that'll be fine. You did it. That's all I want. What are you going to do with your life? I got to show you something. Make sure the volume's up. I don't know if the lights need to come down or not. Watch this. I don't know if you can read it. After nine years of forced absence from Nigeria, the Lord reopened the door of C-Fan Gospel Crusades at the end of 99. That's Reinhard Bonnke, by the way. I used to watch him all the time. An astounding surge of salvation followed. He had been driven out of Nigeria by Muslims. But anyway, it reopened. He could come back. What you're about to see is glorious. Give that some volume. And historic. Joseph, Nigeria. 1,276,840 decision cards. Not in attendance, just salvations. Port Harcourt, Nigeria, 1,416,740 decision cards in a single crusade. Yola, Nigeria, 1,403,640. By the way, the population in Nigeria is 200 million. The U.S. is 350 million here in the United States. How are you say that? 1,936,881. Tonight, you may come here as weak as can be, you will go home like a conqueror. 
with Jesus inside of you. Million eight hundred fifty nine thousand five oh three. Six hundred thirty-four thousand four hundred thirty-one. Three million four hundred sixty-one thousand one hundred seventy-one. Please, please give your life to tell everybody you can that Jesus loves them and that he came and died on the cross. The power is in the message of the cross. If we will preach the gospel, which is that Jesus came, that he died, and that he got up, the Holy Spirit will do the work. Everyone's words will be different. Everyone's style will be different. Everyone's delivery will be different. Some people will stand on a platform. Some people will be one-on-one -on -one in a conversation. The Word of God is as powerful in your mouth as it is in God's mouth. It's God's Word. It's God's Word. The Gospel is as powerful inside of you as it is inside of anybody. Please give your life to tell everyone about Jesus. And please help to send me all around the world because I have to do that 
for 25 years, I've been consumed, and that is my whole heart. Please pray with me for open doors. Please pray with me for provision. Please help me to tell everybody about Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, if you have never placed faith in your heart in what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary, if you do not belong to him, you are not on your way to heaven. You do not belong. You are not part of the family of God. But he went through an awful lot to purchase you. And he loves you. And he wants you. He wants to give you real life. He starts by killing you. You respond to him in faith. Believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord that he died and that he lives, and he will kill the old sinner in a moment. And a brand new spirit will be created inside of you. Brand new. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. You'll be a new creature, a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. You will be a different human being. Now, your brain will remember, and this thing takes a lot of reprogramming. You're not going to get everything right all of a sudden. You're not ever going to be beyond temptations. We are going to fail, but we will be saved. Would everyone stand with me quietly where you are? If you have never been born again, if you have not personally come to the Lord Jesus and said, God, I am sorry, forgive me, and move in, this is your moment. I'm going to ask you to step out from where you are right now. And I want you to join me. You're going to have to forget what everybody thinks. In the Bible, in the New Testament, every person Jesus called, he called publicly. And he said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. But if you profess me before men, I'll profess you before my Father. Would you join me right now and allow me the honor of leading you in a prayer as you receive Jesus as Savior? Would there be even one person here that says, I want Jesus today. I want to be forgiven, and I want to be saved. Step out from where you are and join me. Would there be even one? Would there be even one? If you're watching at home and you've never accepted Jesus as Savior, this is your moment. The Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart, drawing you to himself. Wherever you are, call out to him. You can pray something like this. Father, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you love me. I know you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Lord Jesus, I know you got up from the dead and you're alive today. Wash me. Forgive me and live in me, in your name. Amen. I would like to lay my hands on some people to agree with you. I want to agree with you for boldness, to be wise as serpents, to be bold as lions. 
I want to agree with you that God would help all of us to lay down whatever we have to lay down to win everybody we can win and that this church would be consumed with missions, with evangelism, that this church would become consumed with soul winning, soul winning here and soul winning there and soul winning all around the world, that we will realize that time is of the essence and that none of us have a lot of it and that we will do everything we can to win the whole world to Jesus. I'd like to pray for some folks right now if you'll come. Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.